Hello, and welcome to Sobertown Podcast. I'm your host, Viv, and some of you know me as Sober I Thrive. Make sure to visit our website on SobertownPodcast.com. You will find our free Zoom calendars, Todd's modules for your sober toolbox, sober recovery stories, and our link to the Sobertown Facebook group on SobertownPodcast.com. I'll chat with guests and community members about topics related to sobriety and recovery. So hello, everybody. Thank you, ladies, for being here. And we are continuing our series, Transformational Women of Sobriety. I wanted to bring the different topics that are very near and dear to our social sober circles, things that we might not necessarily talk about, but that are always there because we're ever changing in an evolution of ourselves in sobriety. And in this series, I wanted to tackle with two beautiful, strong women that I love in our community. And I know that everyone loves them too. So it is my pleasure to be here. My name is Viv, and some of you know me as Sober I Thrive. And it is my pleasure to introduce two of our guests that are here. Ray, would you like to go first? And do what? I'm just kidding. I'm Ray. I'm two years sober, 800 and something days. Exactly. And I'm in South Dakota, and I'm glad that you still involve me, Yes. Ready for you. And our second guest is the one, the only uh, Ascension Goddess. Please introduce yourself. I'm Tamara from New Zealand, Ascension Goddess on the IAs app, and I've got all oh, 430, 430 days sober from awesome. alcohol. And I'm actually on my third day without weed. So this will be fun. That's awesome. 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 All right, so today's topic that we're going to talk about is different types of anger and how it can affect your sobriety. I always like these to be free-flowing. There's no script. We're just basically three ladies discussing anger. There are different types of anger. As I was checking the types of anger that there are and how we can go through them, but we'll talk about our individual journeys with anger and how we've dealt with them. First, I wanted to address, just to keep our listeners you know, intrigued in that there's different types of anger, which I didn't know that there was a label for each and every one of them. The first one we'll start with is behavioral anger. The second is chronic anger. The third is judgmental anger. The fourth is overwhelmed anger. The fifth is passive aggressive anger. Oh, yeah. The sixth yeah. is retaliatory anger. Seventh, self abusive anger. And last but not least, assertive anger. So we'll discuss those a little bit more in depth, but 
I wanted to first give each one of our guests an opportunity to discuss the different variations of anger that you felt. Since I'm supposed to be an old hat, anger is for sure a huge reason why I used to drink before. As a woman and as like a brown woman, you don't want to play into the stereotype that you're I'm overly emotional and like even my dad has told me don't be that crazy brown girl that's yelling in public so I learned to like mute that or try as much as I could to contain it because it's such an unseemly emotion I just felt like my anger was just gonna burn through my stomach and I remember thinking pouring alcohol on it would make it better and it didn't it never solved anything like I just anytime my husband would make me mad I would drink and that's not a rare occurrence that that he pisses me off it's a lot it's a lot of learning to like sit with that emotion and not burn yourself up while you're sober and act in a way with integrity is really Absolutely. I totally get you. I understand. And I'm quickly going to piggyback on that because in my anger, I, I thought that I had anger management issues when I drank. And I, you know, was very domestic violently angry. And in the domestic violence, it occurred because I would suffocate the anger. So I heard this analogy that I thought was perfect for it. Anger is like a baby. It's like a baby that you put in the car. You can either put it in the trunk and suffocate it, or you can put it behind the wheel and let it destroy you. So that's what anger, the analogy of anger is. Is it going to drive you or are you just going to stuff it away and just suffocate? Anger. It's an emotion I never wanted to express or be part of my personality. So that suffocating and stuffing it down and being a good little girl was fucking toxic, right? Because there was no emotional outlet for joy, happiness, all of that anger you don't be angry you know if you're an angry little girl you're you fucked up somehow so keeping it all in drinking it away I was so angry at the world the world owed me big time thank god for sobriety right thank god for learning tools to go if I'm angry it's because I'm choosing to take on other people's shit as my own I think that was a big one I couldn't be angry angry for myself I would be angry for everything else the world hurts the universe hurts at the moment so I took that on as well it's not my shit to take on releasing anger healthily I never did I drank it away I drank everything away I want to go over those those anger things that you brought up this passive aggressive anger that was my outlet being a sarcastic witty 
probably have a little girl that could spew out my poison and cut someone off at the knees and then go home and drink. I felt like such an asshole for doing it. But hurt people hurt people. I was, I was a very hurt person who, at the end of my tether, oh, I was terribly angry. Passive aggressive. Yeah, that's shit because it's gray. There's no black or white in it. You don't know where you stand. You have to unpick it all. And I was that asshole. Was, was it? Like I said, we are silver. We are not months. You know, we got to feel it to heal it. Honestly, can't even imagine anyone in this room angry. I, I it's different people. And the way we express it, like Tamara had said that she was angry at the world. That really resonated with me. I was so pissed hmm. at the world for the hand that I was dealt. And now I feel like that hand is one of my greatest strengths. Yeah. We, all three of us are like, yeah. I mean, it yes. is. Be able to get to a point where you go, thank God that happened to me. It's fucked up that you can look back on your trauma and shit that's happened and then go, thank God there was a lesson in that for me. The anger was so misdirected. The, the anger it, in being misdirected is is something that the world, as we know it, we think it's misdirected. We directed it all right. It wasn't misdirected. You know, I heard Ashley, Ashes here, would say, I would drink at that person. So that was so beautifully put because then anger fueled the fire for myself in drinking. If I could be angry at someone or something, then I could drink. So every day I was angry. I was getting angry and angrier. The angry woman in work, you know, they would call me little Napoleon because I was on five foot and I would just, you know, I, I would just express my anger and lash out at people. But behind the scenes now, what we know about alcohol is it takes a, up to a year to leave the organ. So even though we are sober the next day, let's say you're in the hangover stage. In, and let's say I waited till five o'clock to have my next drink because which is progressive. That didn't happen in the progression. you know. In my hangover, I would drink because, you know, I needed to get rid of the hangover. But I never was level-headed enough to be sober enough to actually regulate my emotions. So the anger where I felt was not anger. It was just fueled by alcohol. And even though I wasn't under, under the influence at that moment... I was still, it was in my organs. It was in my brain. It was in my being. It takes 60 days to leave the brain, to start leaving the brain. So the series is to bring consciousness to each and every one of us all around the world that listens to this podcast. That if you think that you're angry and you're bitter and you don't have a way out, sobriety gives you that. It's sober curious, and this is why we're here with our hearts open. 
you know, and just giving everyone the opportunity to listen to our stories and transformational women of sobriety. So, so Ray, one of the questions that I had is in these two years, your spouse still drinks and has drank. And I know how difficult that is because I've been through it. And how is it that you can transmute and transform that anger within you so it doesn't show up in the same way that it did before going to the bottle? What, it, what is it that Ray does? I think my old mindset was very much like the world had been unfair to me and that I took everything very, very personally. When he didn't get sober, I thought it was because he didn't find enough inspiration in me, that he didn't have enough love for me. And I don't think that's the case. The, when I think about it now, I don't think that it's personal. I think that it's his own journey and it's his own path and it's different than mine. And we were so young when we met each other. How could we have ever predicted any of this? We couldn't. And we're just both two people that are trying the best that we can, trying our best. That's not like to say that I'm not still angry. I still, it's a marriage, so it feels so fucking personal. And there are things, there are actions that when someone is in an addiction directly affect you when you live with them. And that's really hard to reconcile. It's, I'm trying to use it as a motive, as like motivation to like keep me going forward because I know that this is not a safe environment for me and my sobriety. And I know that I need to make a lot of changes and I'm trying to look at the anger as like, I need to feel this because if I'm comfortable, I'm going to stay. I need to feel the pain and I need to feel that it's not fair because after everything I've been through, I do think that, you know, I got sober and I did everything right. So where's like my, this should be my goddamn like golden era. And it's not, it's like a fucking mess. <laughs> but there's also like the part that I have to play in it and the accountability I have to take because this was the path that I chose and this is what I saw. For every day that I've chosen sobriety, I have also chosen to stay with my husband even though he keeps drinking. And so that's my part in it. And the hardest part is hating myself and being angry at myself and feeling like I don't deserve this good life that I'm fighting for, feeling like this is the best that I can do and I can't hope for any better. Having those thoughts is like the hardest thing. When I feel this anger toward my husband and I have these thoughts of like, well, oh, I just want to like burn all his clothes. And then I feel like a shitty person because I'm like, what? why would I do that to somebody who like, we have a child together, we have our lives together, we grew up together. And like hating myself, just it, 
makes me feel like, what have I done all this for? What's the point? How I counter it, how I deal with it is like a lot of self-love, a lot of reaching out, staying connected to people because I don't always see myself the way other people see me. I can be very harshly judgmental of myself and unreasonable about my expectations with myself. I try to like look at the whole picture because yes, I am angry now, but I'm also that woman who gave him two years to get it together. Yeah, I don't know if that answered. No, it answers it perfectly. It 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 answers it perfectly because anger anger doesn't have time. There's no time in anger. You know, anger doesn't. It's anger is like grief almost because in, in grief is there a time limit that we allow ourselves to grieve is one month enough to grieve is one month oh, enough anger is grief oh god anger is a form of grief yeah oh shit there's arguments to it there's like the inflamed irate just burning like i'm ready to fucking punch you in the face yeah 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 and then there's that more calm one, which I feel like I'm at where I'm just, I'm just so tired. And I respectfully stay the fuck away from it. Yeah. There's acceptance in anger. Because those forms of anger are, it, it's, it's, just because we become sober does not mean that we don't get to be angry. We're women doesn't mean that we don't get to be angry. We get to be angry and not be called fucking bitches. Yeah. We get to have our emotion. And that's, it's okay. It's okay to be off the walls, unhinged, insane, fucking angry. In my first year of sobriety, I was certifiably insane. I felt like I was bipolar. My, I would be, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever done. To like, I literally want to set my house on fire. I'm, I fucking hate all of you people and everyone yeah. takes me for granted. <laughs> Tomorrow, what are your thoughts on this? Well, time. Like you see, it's anger doesn't have time. I think I feel in my, in my soul and essence, I'm carrying, I believe you are too, both of you beautiful women, generational, ancestral anger. So this is seven to eight generations worth of anger that I'm hold, I held as a puppy, as a little, a little fetus, I got given that. Here's a lovely gift, you get addiction and you get all of our fucking trauma. So while you're having this internal fight about, am I a good person? Am I not a good person? Am I angry bitch? Am I fucking calm? I've also got eight fucking generations of anger and trauma and, and shit holding in. And it's not until I gave up the booze that I was like, oh, it's not all mine. It's not all mine. And with that comes a lot of compassion for past generations that didn't have these tools, that didn't have communication with people like-minded or the ability just to even speak, right? Like, we're, we're beautiful women here, but all the men in my succession were never allowed to speak up, right? Women, we get to lose our shit once a month, <laughs> guaranteed. But these boys, these men never did. So I've got their shit. I've got all the women's shit. And then I've got all the shit that I put on myself. 
No wonder I was angry. There's a lot of peace that comes when you can recognize the ancestral traumas that you've been brought into that you had no control over. I really liked your reflection, Ray, about taking accountability of your part in that too. Wow, check out the growth on you. Definitely. Rage, was it Rage Against the Machine? Your anger is a gift. Use it properly. Direct it in the right way because anger is energy. We're all energetic beings, anger, joy, happiness, all that is energy. If you can redirect it in the right way and not at yourself or others because we don't, your anger is a gift. I wrote this thing talking about, you know, my anger was my advocator. It was my protector for a little bit. I might not have used it in the correct way, but it was what held my boundaries in place before I loved myself enough to just have loving boundaries and have calm boundaries. I love that, right? Mm. Absolutely. Like alcohol was too. It helped me. It was a self-medication. It was a protector. It looked after all. It gave me confidence. It gave me all the shit that I needed. Alcohol helped me. My anger protected me too. Yeah, it stuck until it was about to kill me. Because your anger, your anger is your shield, your, your barrier, like, trans- chum, 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 fuck off. Yeah. It was like your mama bear. Absolutely. When I went over and brought up a good point about talking about the different types of anger. Because if we know and if we can be self-aware of the different types, once once that something is shown to you, you can't unsee it, right? Much as once you're sober and you've got that sober time, that sober time is different for everyone. But once you have enough sober time, it will really fuck up your drinking. So every time you fuck up your drinking. Absolutely. That's an amazing way to put that. I love it. That was, that was courtesy of Michael Charles. Sobriety <laughs> has ruined drinking for me forever. Yeah, this sobriety's fucked up my drinking for sure. Brilliant. I love that. So I wanted to go over these and I wanted to see if, A, we could address these individual types of anger, if we can give an analogy or, you know, see ourselves in, in any of these, because I saw a lot of myself in a lot of these, mm. the past and I saw, and I see the present because, so I'll give you, this is a, a great analogy. Person will go to rehab, get sober and still be the asshole. Sobriety does not cure being an angry person. It doesn't make you a good person. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't. All you did is you got rid of the alcohol and the blackouts and all of that stuff and toxicity out of your body. But you are who you are. But the more awareness that we become of who we are and how we can change it, so it's it's like when we became sober. For me, I thought it took me almost to the brink of death to become sober. 
And people ask me, I just recently had a person ask me, well, didn't you know that you could die? And I was like, no, because if I was ignorant about the consequences of what alcohol could do to me, I'd have to do something about it. So, you know, ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss, but can also kill you, such as anger. Anger does that too. So when I when I read these and and this comes from one of the institutes, the Pinnacle Recovery, and it it they talk about anger in in it in its definite different types of ways and also through the studies that I've done uh, through the certification of anger because what happens is that once we get become sober. We go through so many different phases. We even become angry that we're sober, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. I have a specific instance of that. I remember yeah. my husband came home and he had a really bad day. And so he goes to his six pack and I go to my fucking day meeting and I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> I was so mad. Oh, <laughs> because it's true. I actually... I was on a meeting and someone shared that they had relapsed and I had a straight face on, but internally I was fucking raging. Not that they did it, but because I couldn't, right? I was like, I'm ripping on so many days and then you come in and you've had a relapse. I'm like, fuck you, bro. Like, I want to drink. Then I listened to his story and he was broken and sad and had so many he put in so many things to get caught and I was able to calm down in myself get out of my fucking ego and go wow thank you for that gift I was angry that he got to drink and I did not and then with the time and the calm because we can do that I felt incredibly sorry and sad for him and broken and all of that compassion and love and whatnot. But in an instant, boom, I was like, fuck you for drinking. Not you for drinking. Fuck you that you got to drink. It was a month ago. So even with 14 months of some bad, it still pops up in the most weirdest places. And sometimes I just even feel like, like I hate that you get to be broken and I have to be this evolved yes. person. And I have to be, because I'm sober, I have to be the better parent. I have to be the better person in all my communications. And I have to be healed in all of this stuff. And I'm just a baby sober at that. It's frustrating. And that, there's, and that was what alcohol helped me with is just like being that person that was just so very broken and just didn't have it together. And Sometimes I want that. Sometimes that's how I still identify. And it's hard. I feel like it's hard for me to to walk around in this fucking skin. Truth right there. All right. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. That's true. Oh, I want to be the broken one. <laughs> Nobody be the broken one. Like, I love being the powerful, strong, sober and all this shit. Give me a couple of days where I can just be a whiny, drunken, broken mess. But I know that's not good for me. Like that. Especially for us, I feel like we have similar 
Like we have to be the adults because our parents were not the adults. We, from like a young age, had to have it together. This yeah. is already relearning our shit and, and getting getting clean and understanding the childhood trauma and things like that. Yeah, the anger comes up of what about fucking me? Right, so that's that whole the world is against me thing. But yeah. We have these spaces to talk about it and communicate with other sober people that get it, that don't judge, that don't, that don't judge. Communication, connection is key. Connection is key. Connection is key. There's no way in fuck I would have this amount of sober time if I was not connected to like-minded souls. Connection is everything. To hear, to hear in this space alone. Like Ray speaking my words, cool, I'm not alone. Like, it's the biggest misconception about this. And being angry at that too. I am the only person in the fucking world that understands what's going on in my head. I am the only one. I never was. Like, I know 350 fucking people who were just like me. I was never alone. I was alone in, in, in myself. But there are so many people who just get it. Yeah, hearing that generational trauma and the anger with it, I think that ties into, like, I'm not just angry about, right now I'm angry for that little girl. That little girl's fucking pissed that she didn't have a mom. Pissed that she had to grow up. I'm pissed that right now I'm the mom and I have to grow up and raise myself. Yeah. Where the fuck was my mom? Definitely. As we all know. That I think we've talked about this before, but I'll mention it again. When we start drinking at the age that we start even binge drinking, let's say if it's on the weekends or if it's because you're angry or it's because on a special occasion or whatever, let's let's the oars or whatever. I started drinking, binge drinking and drinking with my friends. I can. My earliest memory is in junior high. So I must have been 13. And so, yeah, then another, you know, happened and it would be at a celebration. You know, culturally, we have talked about that. It's very pushed. Kids can drink at a young age, you know. I mean, and when I talk about young age, the I'm talking about young age for myself was it was an unseen for me going to my cousin's sweet 15 and being drunk off my ass and being put on the bus drunk at midnight to go because she lived in another town in Mexico. And so the by, by the time that I woke up, I was like, okay, I'm you know hungover and here we go. Here's the festivities and to do it again. So from that age, my limitation of my emotional age when I got sober was 49. So as a 49-year-old woman, stuck is somewhere between a 13 and max. Max, I want to say, I'm giving myself a lot of pat on my back because I stopped drinking when my children were little. And I stopped drinking because my father, this is the realization, my father drank binge drink 
when he was pissed. He would come home and he was already tossed and he was pissed. And so I associated you get angry at something or someone and you binge drink. Yep. And it scared me. It scared me. So when my so I did this as a teenager, you know, experimented and did all of this. But then I had my kids very young, 17 year old mother. And then so I said, I'm not repeating this until they became 15. And then that's when I started. So my regulation, emotional regulation at 49, I'm somewhere, I, somewhere between the age of probably, I can, in active addiction, a person reverts to the youngest age in active addiction. That's, that's the science of it. Once you stop the addiction, you start to mature. Okay. So you start to mature, yeah, in your feelings, in your being an adult. And I was joking about this when I met my sober coach last weekend. And I said, I almost feel like or I'm at prom because we got all dressed. I, we were all dressed up. And she took, and she kind of took me by the hand and she was like, do you want to take a picture for your prom picture? Because that's pretty much the truth. I walked you through being an adolescent and a grown woman. And it was so, it's so true. So we are growing up. We are maturing. But along with all those maturing, we, 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 we go through all the emotions of a teenager too. Those are like, you know, what we're talking about, you know, is tantrums and they're adult tantrums, right? And we all have them. We all have I mean, I just had a conversation with Armin and, you know, in the conversation with Armin, even though I'm upset, I'm not tipping TVs anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yes, that's the growth when I'm no longer throwing fucking lawn furniture around. Or setting people's clothes on fire in the front yard. We're not doing that. Mm. It's, there's the growth. There's the growth. The, the being able to manage. And if I can't manage, do I allow myself? Because do I allow myself if I can if I, I can drink, but I choose not to? That's where the strength comes in. I can do it. I just choose not to. Thank you for saying that, Viv. This is such a, a big thing in this sober world. You know, I can't drink anymore. Oh, I'm not allowed to. So you fucking can. You have absolutely every right to go down to the store, go buy your piss and get shit-faced. Choosing not to is putting that power back into yourself. Every day you get to choose, I absolutely can drink. <laughs> but I'm choosing not to. I, I've Since I hit two years, I've only been saying... Oh, I'm two years sober, and I haven't been counting any of my other milestones. And it wasn't until recently that I was like, you know, fuck that, because every day I choose this, I don't have to. I'm working my fucking asshole off, and some days are really hard, because when you drink at, like, 16, like I did, instead of going through those emotions and getting tools to understand how to deal with anger and how to deal with grief and deal with fucking white, all he did was drink it away. 
And so now I'm 30 and I'm supposed to have my shit together. I have a fucking child that's grown walking around and everything. And <laughs> like, I'm supposed to be everything for everyone, including my soul. And it's so hard to do that when developmentally I'm like 18 years old. That's fucking insane. So I'm doing the best I can. And that gives me the ability to give myself some grace. Because holy crap, is it hard? So hard. It is hard and we're choosing that hard too though, aren't we? Instead of blacking out, blind drunk. It's fucking power, babe. Every day that we go through the hard stuff without blacking out or using our fucking comfort blanket is power. I love that you said like, the days matter, but the days don't matter. It's just one day at a time and I have the chance to be sober today. Tomorrow is tomorrow, but I like that, right? Do you think the opposite of anger is self-love or that care and compassion? Like I could not comprehend self-care, self-love, self-compassion until I got sober. I didn't realize how much I hated myself. Well, I think anger and hatred kind of go hand in hand. They're in the same family. I don't. I'm not angry at random strangers on the street. You know, I I love my mom. And so all of that pain is a lot of hatred for what I had to go through. It's a lot of anger. So I do think that they are related. Definitely. I got sober. Armin didn't. My spouse. Days I wanted to throat punch him. <laughs> but I was sober and I thought, that's not what, you know, that's not what I'm about anymore. That's, you know, that's, there was this thing that I would say to myself, my sober coach's name was Heather and I wouldn't go to Zooms because again, culturally in my culture, and I think we both have talked about it, is that it, we keep it in inward. We don't talk about our problems. We don't, we, we don't share. So it took me 11 months and I didn't know it took Ray about 11 months to show up to Zoom too. We were almost hand in hand. And so that's, I mean, I applaud you tomorrow because it was, it was, there's a lot more Zooms now, but it was very difficult for me to talk to anybody about it other than my sober coach and her sober, my sober coach's name is Heather. So I would say instead of like, what would Jesus do? What would Heather do? That was my thing. What would Heather do? And I would just sit there. Sometimes I'd drive off and just sit in the car to be away from the situation. And, you know, there were moments of crying, of anger. So crying was another tool that I used. Yes. For the first time in my life to just wail away, you know, and cry. And it's been one of the best assets also to feel that emotion deep and healing. I love that you see cry. Crying is, it's literal release. She's, we're rinsing out our shit with, with cleansing. Um, I was just going to say, you need to roar. Like we need to get in the fucking forest or a wide open meadow and just roar. Like just get that shit out because because pretty little girls don't do that either, right? We're not angry. So let's go into the forest and rah. Like, it is so cathartic 
to actually express anger properly, wholly, fully, what are we doing today? We're going to get angry and roar it out in the forest. Like it's allowing, allowing that emotion to come out and not caring who hears you. Because when I was drunk, I gave no flying fucks about how I sounded. I did at the start. You know, I worried about, oh my God, I've chipped my nail polish and I'd worry about that until I had my third or fourth drink. Then I'd go, fuck. And then I didn't care what people thought after that. Screaming in a forest when you're sober is so good. Yeah. I do it. Yeah. I, I also wanted to do this. There's this thing in, in the U.S. and I wanted it. There's a play off on it. It's called March Madness. And it's what it is. It's, a, you know, it's a sports centered around sports and it's the madness about the sport. But then I thought to myself to turn that into March madness, to be cathartic, to let out that primal scream, to allow to be. And in, when I looked at these, at these points, that these data points, when I looked at the data points for, any like the Super Bowl or we're looking at any sporting event it has the highest rate of domestic abuse the night of and the day after all associated primarily with alcohol we're not talking drugs we're talking alcohol okay because so you know you go you get drunk with your friends you watch the game Maybe you gamble. Maybe you get pissed off at each other over whatever. And then the anger, that primal, you know, starts to come out in other ways. Right? Maybe tonight was just the night that I found one more sock on the floor. And that just was, I was ready to go to war over that fucking sock. That reminds me of what you talking about March Madness. That reminds me of the Hides of March. Like, we should totally just stop. <laughs> I mean, it's just the thing about like alcohol and anger is like, I feel like when you're sober, you have a choice in who you are and how you respond. When I was drunk, I would be like, I can't see any other way to resolve this other than throwing a sandwich at his fucking head. Or I'd be like, or I just have to ignore this for forever. I'm just going to drink and I'm just going to pretend everything's fine. And I'm going to say I forgive you, even though deep down I'm really hurt and I really don't actually forgive you. And we'll just gloss over it. Now instead I can say, hey, I need you to know this really upset me and I'm really not okay. And all of that stuff is like, when you're drinking, you just think it's like everything's so final for me it's like okay we can have this argument and maybe you'll come back in my life when we're supposed to be together or maybe we're just not supposed to and that's okay but it's it's very true what you're saying everything is final Mm. you know when, when you're the mind of addiction is everything is final everything's a fucking mountain an insurmountable mountain right it's just But when you have like the clarity and even just to give myself time, because I still have those moments where I'm in that red hot flash of rage 
and I'm his and I'm I have the there's I'm seconds away from reacting mm. and then I think I don't have to react right now though let me go take a fucking nap like let me come back to this and then when I have time to think about it and I'm like am I really mad about this or am I scared or am I hurt or am what is the end result here and usually it's a misunderstanding it's so easy to get into misunderstandings with people and i hear even with myself i'm like holy crap well did i do something wrong and then when i look back i'm like this was my intention and so now i get to move forward and choose love with that intention instead of reacting and making it so much worse which is not where i wanted it to go definitely i love that i love it so much the ability to go, I'm just going to have a minute with this. All right. Like I can react, but my reaction is probably going to be primal. That 14 year old drunk girl who's got no communication skills or boundary setting. If you need to take a moment, take it. It was one of the best tools that I got in the last year or so is you don't have to react in the minute you can take fucking five minutes i can get back to you in a day like my time my energy my feelings my calm i can take time to respond or else i will react i would also say like take time to decide on drinking again like i would always want to drink the day of and i'd be like well let me revisit this decision tomorrow love that and you tomorrow I feel a lot differently than because like you're not defined by the thoughts that fly by in your head you're not defined by how you feel in one split second of a moment when you're trying your best you're defined by how you end things when you're going to the past you're playing that record in the future, we get to write the record, the new tune. That's what sobriety gives us. That's what an addict doesn't have in deep addiction. You know, it's only a record of the past. It only knows how to put the pin, you know, that, that, that song on that tune. This is how I dance to this tune. In sobriety, you're like, I don't have that anymore. And your brain wants to go immediately to the reaction mode of how you reacted in that record, in that song of the past, even though you may not even have the bottle or the drink, but it still only knows that record. But then you're like, okay, I've been given tools. I get to take a minute. Maybe those, that record of the past can be rewritten. And that's how we form the new neural pathways into new ways of being. I couldn't comprehend that I could stop drinking. It, that it was an option. Like, it, I, I know people are sober. I know people have problems. It's clearly in my family fucking genetics. But for me personally, giving up drinking, like it's Cantonese to German. I don't understand it at all until I had to right. and then chose to. Re 
forming those new neurological pathways is fucking cool. It's really cool to come through something sober that you used to do pissed all the time. It's scary as fuck. But when you do it, like it is better than any drunk moment you've had in your life. This, this power, you're like, I did that. I did that. It is beautiful. It is, it is the opposite of anger because I got through without drinking. I changed that pathway. I made new data points. I got new blue points and prints for this whole thing. Absolutely. I love that. Give up drinking, man. Drinking sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. Like I said, I was the person that I thought that I had anger, anger management issues to the point that in one of the last instances, we were just talking about this with Armin. He had called the police on me because I had tore up the whole house and I'm driving on the freeway and he called the police, but he felt sorry for my mom and my kids because I was headed towards my mom's house. So the police popped up and said, do you know where she's at? And he said, no. And so I become sober. And I think it was four months later in sobriety. He gets a call and I'm in the car and it's the police. They said, hey, we have this on our desk. We, we've never found her. We just want to make sure. Do you want Silphorus to look for her and press charges if we find her? And I'm like right next to him. And he's like, no, no, everything's fine now. Okay, well, we're just doing our regular checkup. It's just, it's a different person. It's a different being. It's it, so interesting to be able to see that as time goes on from day one to day 100 to day 200. Because now that I've seen it in different people, as time goes by, then you start seeing their evolution. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to see because you're like, at first, you know, maybe they're quiet or you don't know. You, you, you don't know where they're at or what they're feeling. And maybe that's who they are is they're quiet. And then all of a sudden they start talking and they're very talkative and they're very friendly and they're funny. And there's all of these other things that they probably didn't even know that they possessed within themselves. And it's just such a beautiful evolution to see. That's why connection is key. So that even if you don't see your own growth, you are always reflections of other people's growth i can see ray's growth like fuck like i've been in this girl's life and i've seen the evolution of her there's still much more to go clearly but in connection you are able to see other people's growth so naturally it is happening through osmosis you are growing anyway but connection is so essential because if you don't have that self-love and self-compassion, it's just easier to see the growth in other people and just know through osmosis, it's happening. It is happening to you. Connection is everything. Yeah. I once heard this quote and I really loved it. It said, when you don't know who you are, pick someone that you admire and emulate that. And I thought that's such a cool quote because in the beginning of sobriety, I didn't know who I was, who was I without the bottle? Who was I? All I knew is I was an angry person, you know, that didn't have any wiggle room for anything. 
I had to control everything. I had to be in control. And the only time I could, didn't have control is if I drank. But then with the drinking, what would happen was I suffocated everything that I was, I could not control. I would let go and I would mute the anger. But actually, it just, it's almost like you're pouring gasoline on this fire that's already there. And it would just come up even further. And so when I read this about anger, it said anger can be very difficult emotion for those in recovery. I like it, rediscovery. Unmanaged anger can strain relationships, cause unhappiness, and even lead to relapse. Some people with severe anger problems use substances to self-medicate. So in sobriety, new coping skills must be learned to manage anger in a healthy way. It names each type of anger. When we're taking a look at these types of anger, I think it's very interesting. I want to get your takes on it. So if you weren't aware, there are many different types of anger. Different types of anger will require different types of management and strategies. And here are some of the types of anger. There's behavioral anger, which is the worst and most destructive types of anger. Behavioral anger is expressed physically and aggressively. It often involves breaking objects, assaulting another person. Behavioral anger will make you feel so overwhelmed with emotion that you lash out in rage. The best way to avoid it, behavioral anger, is to remove yourself from the situation and take deep breaths before making an impulsive decision, consider the consequences of reacting physically. So what, what the article or what the study says is even though we put down the bottle, the behavior is still there. So these are the coping mechanisms that now we can use in order, if you had that type, that was me, totally me, you know, Destroy stuff, yes. Rage, absolutely. So for me now, one of my my moves is I remove myself. I just, I remove myself and I've had the instances where, you know, it's happened. Ah, everybody knows in our community, it's happened with my daughter that I didn't speak to for about six months or she didn't speak to me and we were both at the headlock of it. But I didn't want to be the passive aggressive mother that made up with her and was going to be at some point in rage. So I thought, you know what? If I need to heal from this, I need to take my, I, I always use the analogy of a hot stove. There's a hot stove and I'm trying to cure the, the, the wound that the hot stove is le leaving the hot iron but I want to keep my hand on it. And how am I going to cure it? Take the hand off for a minute. And like Ray says, you know, nothing is ever a definite. And as it happened, and it's happened with multiple people in, in my life. It's happened with Armin. I've had moments of rage, you know, moments that I'm 
I'm, I'm angry and I have to remove myself from the situation. I love that you said about the passive aggressive mom, like, yeah, mom, but then you'd get her in a couple of weeks, just a little bit sneaky, like not your fat girl or you look funny, but oh, you're going to wear that? Like you would come in and give back all of the receipts that you held and just dish them out. Absolutely. I was that. Oh, it's justice. It's justice, right? Like I'll care for you, but I'm going to make you pay for it, but I'm going to make you confused about it. Because I don't even know what's happening. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. That that is, you know, they say that this is the worst type of anger that that could be. It's the one of the most destructive. Is the behavioral ang- anger, the the rage will come up. You get overwhelmed because you won't step away from it because it's so addictive. You know, to be angry is it's almost if. If that anger comes up and you can't walk away, but you have to fix things now, I have to fix it now. And the other person is looking at you like, well, I want to fix it now because maybe they're in their own addiction or maybe they're in their own place and they don't have those coping mechanisms either. So this is where the things escalate and make things worse. The next one that we go into is the one that is most likely to cause a relapse. And it's called chronic anger. To say something about the behavioral. I would say, though, even though that it can be the most destructive, that even that isn't fine. Because, like, I obviously am going through a lot right now. And I've been, like, spewing out at the people around me. Just... And this how this just goes to show how much of a different person I am because people are not used to me being real. So they're like, are you okay? Like, I just, and I'm, but then it gets to, I get to have that little red flag of like, wait, am I okay? Like, obviously I'm not okay because other people are noticing how angry I am. And when I sit down, I'm like, and I admit it, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm not okay. I'm fucking pissed i'm so upset and it feels so unfair right now like i had that moment just today with my cousin and she told me it's all right i still love you i'm just worried about you i was allowed to have the emotions and i was allowed to be and it was fine everything was okay at the end did you feel like you were gonna go in rage what do you mean like when before we had talked yeah because the behavioral anger because this is the thing that i think knowledge is power okay so when we're looking at rage or when we're looking at anger there's we're multifaceted type of people and everybody gets to experience anger in their own way right so when we talked about it, there's like seven types of it, seven types of anger. And maybe we're one on one day and one on the other. And maybe we mix and match our socks and, you know, whatever floats our boat. But that behavioral anger is the worst because that's the one that is the physical one. And just because we stopped the bottle doesn't mean that you cannot pick up a brush and throw it across the room. I know this. Yeah, I know this. 
is the is the physical let's throw shit around. That's me having an adult toddler tantrum. Like I can throw my shit when I'm little, and that's okay because someone hopefully will be there to go. Oh, you're cool. Like, maybe, maybe not. But as an adult now, I'm still that toddler, and also that 14 year old girl that was like, "Let's get fucked up." You don't have the bottle anymore, but the behavior's still there because you're you're growing, you're growing. So that's why it was so near and dear to my heart to speak about this because, well, for one, as women, we box ourselves into certain places of what we're what is anger oh she's just mad oh she's she's just a bitch oh she's just sad but we, we there's so many labels but anger 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 and sobriety it looks different for each and every one of us and if we can hold that mirror up to the people that are listening and identify it then when you when you can see it that is you know and and this is the 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 word that we use the work and everybody says the work the work the work and you know that what's the work well the work is i see it and i now i know what i am and here comes the tools to be able to manage it not easy never easy because we're growing we're onions we're getting peeled before before sobriety active addiction there's four emotions that's it and now i get on here and i've got seven fucking (laughs) ways of being angry like this is the work is going i'm in a space where i want to know i want to understand how i am i want to know how i work as an addict i want to know how i work as an addict in recovery and now I find out there's seven different types of anger. Like how stunted, and emo- you know how stunted we were in 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 our infancy, in our early childhood, in our teenage years to go fuck. There's seven. There's seven types of anger, bro. This is the work, and I love it. But you, it's loving yourself enough to put that fucking bottle down and to know that there is another life outside of what you are doing that is that repetitive bullshit fucking vicious cycle that we're like well this is it this is all i'm doing i remember i remember finishing a case of cider off getting the last of the gin finish the gin off got the vodka got whatever was left in the house just boozing it away and sitting on the floor and going this is it this is what i do oh and i'm going to be doing this until i'm 80 okay like there was such resignation in that moment that I couldn't comprehend giving the bottle big fuck I did so I think like I was tripped up on the word you used when you used the word rage for me I just I have this urge to make like a something tangible of how I'm feeling right especially when it's anger because it's like I want there to be some kind of like justice i guess and so you hurt me you did this to me and so i just really want to like cut all the buttons off of your clothes 
Absolutely. And maybe you will see how frustrating it is to be dealing with you because that's how frustrated I am. I want to be able to like take it outside of me. I don't want to have it inside of me. I want it out there and not touching me and not, I don't want to process it. I just want revenge. I just want payback. I want justice. Yes. There we go. Okay. So we did, okay. We did behavioral anger, which is the worst. That's the one with rage, right? So if we're the one in rage is the one that ha can have legal consequences, interpersonal consequences, behavioral anger is likely to destroy relationships. And then that it gives you the best way to avoid behavioral anger is to remove yourself from the situation and take deep breaths. Really try to think before making an impulsive decision and consider the consequences of reacting physically. That, that is one form of anger. We'll move on to number two. Chronic anger, which is the worst, because that one out of all of them can result in relapse. So chronic anger is this. Chronic anger is one of the most likely types of anger to lead to a relapse. It is an ongoing, generalized resentment of other people, frustration with certain circumstances, and anger towards oneself. Mm. Left unmanaged, a person may begin to self-medicate. Chronic anger can lead to deep depression. There's a reference to the big book about this. And they talk about it. It's a quote. Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. Mm. So what's the remedy? Practicing forgiveness and present moment awareness can help with managing this type of anger. Meditation and talk therapy can be most useful. Totally makes sense. Because when you're in chronic anger and like, I'll give you an example in my own life, when I was about six, seven months sober and I said to my sober coach, I was like, I feel so stupid. I feel so dumb. I've been bamboozled. I, you know, I, I'm an idiot. All of those things, the shaming, those words. And I didn't have knowledge of what feelings were. And in discovering the feelings, discovering and going deeper and deeper and deeper, what I was feeling was betrayal. And betrayal, then I later understood that was not on me. I took the shame off of me. And it went to the person that it corresponded to. I did the best that I could and acted in authenticity and with integrity. And the betrayal was the other person's fault or the other person's to own. So I couldn't call myself stupid anymore. And, I, and that's exactly why the relapse couldn't happen. I couldn't own that. 
and I had that talk and that's why it says talk therapy can be most useful. Now, does meditation as well. But what is meditation? Meditation can be different forms. I, for myself, will say I call meditation having board meetings with myself. Sometimes in my board meetings with myself, the CEO and the CFO are not in agreement. And they're not, you know, look, they're, they're, they're going back and forth. And one of them gets demoted because the rest of the, the board says, you're not in your right mind to make those decisions at this point in time. And that's where the self-care would come in and regulating the nervous system. Then I can, you can understand, right? I mean, these are, these are things that were, these are things that plague us just because we're sober doesn't mean we're monk we we feel with intensity all these feelings like you said i thought i only had one type of anger or there was only one and there's seven blowing i think the resentments go in with justice right and getting getting your one up getting your sorries getting your oh i should never have done that to you Sometimes we don't get closure. And I think that's what drives a lot of the anger is that we need the closure to move forward, to heal. We need the sorry from the person. We need, I we want, need that. I want you to know what you did to me. No. But you don't always get that. So it's finding that level of forgiveness in self and love for self that you go, I don't need your apology to move forward with my life which is fucking hard, bro. Like you don't learn that in the first 30 days of sobriety. But sometimes we never get the closure. We never get the apology. But if we hold on to that, it's a nice little anger bubble that's just going to keep boiling away in our system until it explodes in physical, mental, or drink. She or he did this to me. Therefore, I get to drink. I was talking to somebody about this. And they said, and this is how my addict mind would work too. And I say would because now I'm very aware of, of the addict voice of it. But they would say, you're leaving your husband at, at that time that I was going through everything. You're leaving your husband. You're breaking your employment. You're, because we had a partnership, you're moving in with your mom. You're so strong. If I would be you, I would have had a drink right now. That's a compliment that the person's mm -hmm. trying to give me. But my addict mind says, you know what? You're right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's the hard. work. That is the work is to hear shit like that and go, addict voice. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. No. But picking it up though, right? And not, not holding the addict voice down is actually going, nah, babe, we're good. Not today. That awareness of it is what you learn in time of sobriety. You get to learn the addict voice. You get to learn the board members. You get to learn the board members inside your head and go and have that time to go, all seven of you are having a little, I'm like, stop, stop. Give you one minute, give you one minute, and then pick up and go, no, you need to go. You need to go to dinner. The awareness 
to know which voice is talking to you and then to give that voice what it needs. So the addict voice is like, let's get pissed. And I'm like, let's go do some meditation. Let's go do some self-care. Oh, you should be drinking vodka. Yeah, but we could also go for a walk with dogs. I'm not not listening to my addict voice because my addict voice saved my life. My addict self got me here. So if I just cut that fucking voice out or that part of my brain out, I'm not honoring all parts of myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's like a solace and peace that you need to find with yourself. Yeah, and it's not going to be given to you from those apologies or even from people understanding what they've done to you. It's, it's, it's within you. Only you can be at peace with yourself and give yourself that peace. Yeah, because each person is within their own world. So if I'm looking for the apology from my mother that grew up a certain way from her mother and we go down the line and I want her to hold up the mirror and I want her to realize what she's done, the apology that I'm never going to get, I can stay in that chronic anger and never heal from it or I can look at with eyes of compassion and say, dude, you didn't even have a chance when you were growing up. That's, that's, that's a hard one to get to. Absolutely. You have to learn self-love first before you can go, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, mom's got her own shit. Oh, oh, Nana's got her own shit. Oh, great, great grandmother's got her own shit. Oh, okay. But, but what about me? Oh, I, this is the generational stuff that they didn't have the tools. It's not okay what they did, but they did what they did. But not, not only that, the other part of it is this. Because I, as a mother, in turn, did the same thing to my girls when I drank. Stop drinking, mom. You've had too much. Shut the fuck up. You can tell me when to stop drinking. You know what? When you're grown enough, when you put the roof over my head, then you can tell me what to do. Till then, and it has had to happen because of sobriety to, for me to ask for the apology for, from them. And that's how I heal myself. And I heal that part. Armin, he's had his own addictions. And to be able to be an addict and to go through this I can see that when I wanted to label it, I'm not good enough. I'm stupid. I'm this. I'm dealing with an addict. Doesn't mean I have to deal with an addict. That's why I left at the time that I needed to leave. But knowing that that person is not of right mind is not my mind to own. So you don't have any right to anyone else's thoughts then? Yeah. Oh, okay. That was beautiful when I found that. I have no right over what any of things. If I make it, if I make it affect me, that's on me. That's on me. I've chosen to jump in as a three-year-old or like an angry twelve-year-old. Oh yeah, that's don't get me wrong. It, it doesn't go from zero to zen. 
but it's what sobriety gives us is the evolution, the chance at it. The chance. Okay. We're going to move on to number three. I'm sorry. Judgmental anger. Judgmental anger is caused when one feels morally superior to others. It can alienate you from making friends, strain relationships. This type of anger is triggered by the perceived shortcoming of others. You might be quick to judge people and immediately label them as bad or dumb. To avoid this type of anger, try to look from the other person's perspective. Really try to examine a situation before coming to a conclusion. Judgmental anger can prevent you from being useful to others and having a rewarding recovery. Yeah, 100%. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Because I've got this wonderful ability to pick up on energy and frequencies of people really quickly. So I'll go into a room and I'll be like, danger, danger, danger. I'll go to the danger people. I'll go there and I'll be like, let's sort you out and, and, and calm you so that I'm safe. And the same token, I'm sitting there going, dickhead, 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 in one minute, like less than a minute, I'm making that judgment call. And then somehow I get pissy that people are doing the same thing to me. Like, how dare you? Only I'm allowed so much, so much learning. I was definitely that guy, 100%. Oh, I think, except for Ray. Ray's sweet. <laughs> Ray is sweet. Uh, I've never heard of a harsh word out of her mouth. But I'm talking about Viv. Judge Judy. We've never, I've never heard Judge Judy come out of you. I, I have. We're just I, rewriting history, right? Because <laughs> there were some things that I said to you in Utah that you were like, maybe you shouldn't see <laughs> I have a quick mouth, a smart mouth. Of, I am... I have a bite and a bark. Like I, a, like a, within my bark, like I will hurt you because you hurt me. And now I feel justified and I feel like, and in my head, you know, I have all the narratives of you must hate me. You must have wanted to hurt me. That's why you did this. So now I'm going to do it back to you on purpose as well. And it's just not my business. Like what is going on over there? Whatever your reaction is, whatever it is, it's not on me to fix everything and solve everything and make everyone comfortable. I'm just, it's just not right. And it's not like, it's its not personal. A lot of the time, it's not as personal as I make it out to be. 100%. I can say with, I can definitely say that my mom loved me. And I can say that my husband loves me now. But that doesn't change that my anger needed to get me out of those situations because they were not right for me. And that quit wit, that sarcasm, that biting ability was protection for me too. And and cruel. Cruel. I could I could make grown men cry. Like and that was not a flex, but I thought it was. It was all protection. It was all protection. And like you said, Ray, I'll get you because you got me. I'd often get people before they got me. 
right? So I'll just, oh, just all the mind games of shit. It's exhausting. It is a bit tired. Oh, and then you then you drink at it, right? Right. The whole thing. And then you hang over as fuck the next day and you're I'm gonna stop this out now with my hangover self. No. Like, no. It yeah. Right. So it gives us the both both faces of it. Like what it could be while we're drinking, and then what the inactive addiction and what it can be in recovery or in rediscovery of ourself, what it can look like. So Moving on to the next type of anger, overwhelmed anger. Overwhelmed anger usually occurs in stressful situations or we have taken on too big of a workload. It usually occurs when we feel that a situation or circumstances are beyond our control, resulting in feelings of hopelessness and frustration. It can also occur when several unfortunate life events happen all at once. When experiencing overwhelmed anger, tell the people close to you and reach out for help. Whether it's babysitting or running errands, rather than bottling up the emotion, let others help alleviate your stress. Tell your friends. Communicate. So they can help alleviate your workload. Now we didn't know there were this many, huh? I didn't know that I could ask for help within myself, right? Like I, I, I know that that's a thing, but the fierce independent little girl is like, I don't need anyone to help me because they need a fucking have. So it was, I had evidence that asking for help or, or needing to be cared for, it never happened. So, or it happened in past. But to ask for help, they're so vulnerable. It's showing my weaknesses, basically, isn't it? Right? Like, I need help. I can't do it by myself. Asking for help is the bravest fucking thing you can ever do in your life. Asking other people to hold you and support you is the bravest fucking thing you can do in your life. It is never a weakness. I'm not doing so well at the moment. Here. What, can I, can I sit with you? Can I just hold space with you? Like, Incredible. Asking for help is a power move. It is. Yeah. I was so overwhelmed last week. It's just been building and building. My situation is not getting easier. And it just felt like I couldn't do it. And I felt very alone until I started talking to people. And I was like, this is what I'm going through. And then people were like, well, this is how I can show up for you. And this is how I can help you. And it doesn't need to be, again, it's not all on me. Nothing is final and nothing is definite. And I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. It's perfect though, isn't it? How can I show up for you? That's all is for support. Well, not how can I help you? Because helping implies helplessness. How can I empower you? How can I hold space you. for you? What can I, how can I show up for you? I love that. Because I'm, and it's, it's hard because I'm pissed, right? Because I'm in this position because I, my starting line wasn't great. And I made a lot of bad decisions because I didn't have that great 
background that was going to lead me into success. And so now feeling like I have to do it on my own is another resentment. Why should I have to? Why is it my responsibility to fix everything when I was handed a crap bag? <laughs> like, yes. And it's hard, but it's not. It's that self-love. It's letting other people love me and hold space for me when I can't necessarily do it for my soul. Because I, a lot of my anger really, it might be with other people, but a lot of it is still for me too. I feel so fucking pissed that I am made my, that I got myself into this situation, that this is the life that I built, right? Because I should have known better somehow. In my mind, I should have. Am I not a smart person? Am I not a strong person? How did I get myself into this? And like I've said before, like this community taught me how to love myself. I don't believe that you have to love yourself first to get love because I didn't. This community loved me before I loved myself and taught me how to love myself. You guys saw me as a good person before I saw myself as a good person. I agree. That's why connection is so important. That's why connection is so important and and consistent consistent connection with your people that we do see your growth. We do see the, we, absolutely, it's reflected back even if you don't get it yourself. Yeah. And it's, you know, the biggest thing that happens when, when People come to me is that they ask me and I and I remember and this is the biggest question that everybody asks, how did I get here? And I have to tell them this is the biggest analogy, is that nobody one, nobody picks up the first bottle of whatever it is that was the drug or the bottle or the drug of choice and said, you know what? I'm gonna become the best full-fledged addict. Outfit. I'm about to ruin my fucking life. Gotta clap shit up. Nobody says that. Nobody. So it's it, it it that's exactly where it begins. The journey. The journey is here. The journey is now. The journey is forward. And and that's that is why when we look back at one of the anger, it said resentment. And that was the most dangerous one because those resentments can lead to the relapse, right? How did, could I have done this to myself? How did I become, you know, all of those things. I mean, I know exactly what, what you're saying. As I thought I was going to grow closer to my daughter or both my daughters, the, I became I became sober. And we became estranged. You would think sober, closer, sober, estranged. And it's like baffling. How? How did this happen? But it's a process. You know, it's a process. It's Doug told me something that was so insightful and wisdomous. 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 Was my favorite time of year. It was wisdomous. <laughs> I I was crying, I was angry, I was frustrated. And he said to me about my daughter, we're, Viv, 
Where did she learn it from? I was like, oh, he's so right. Grace, Viv. Grace. That guy, like, our Dumbledore, because I, it was, it started with him. He's who I reached out to last week first. I was like, and I think it was particularly because he was in my situation, but he was the guy that wasn't ready to get sober. And I was like, I feel like a fucking bitch right now. I feel like the worst wife in the world. And he was able to show me compassion. He was like, Warren, survival mode for yourself. What you're doing for you and your son is very beautiful. And like advocating for yourself, speaking up for yourself, prioritizing your needs. And again, it was that being able to like see myself in a way that other people see me because I don't always have the most accurate representation. Can't see your own reflection, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like, we're looking out there and Doug Judy is like, why is she doing that? And here comes Doug and he's like, smack. <laughs> and that gave me like a whole lot of grace. And then, you know, again, in this journey, of anger, you know, resentments. I got sober before Armin did a whole year before. And I was like, why does he keep, doesn't he understand what the hell, you know, it, right? It's the, those conversations that we have. And then Drifter coming along and saying to me, well, if your brother relapsed, let's say, you know, your brother that. That's how you know your brother in IES relapsed. What would be the words that you would tell him? Like, yeah, but he's like, that's that's the work, Viv. That's the work. That's the work. And 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 this is even studying it and knowing it, but it's so close, so up close. It's happening to me. It's not happening to to my client. It's happening to me. And being able to self-regulate and say, you know what? Yeah, not not you. You know, there's no linear way in addiction. It does one person, just like they said, I'm not going to pick up. I'm going to pick up this bottle of beer or whatever, and I'm going to become the best addict possible. I haven't met anyone in addiction that had said, I'm going to get clean and sober and then just go for it. I tried four years and I didn't even know I was trying to. Right. There was a lot of, you know, sober experiments. So how can I expect? Armin told me this once that it was very humbling. He's like, just because you haven't had an audience. It was very humbling. Wasn't it? Very humbling. Wow. I was like, oh, yeah. Grace. Grace. So when you drifter said to you what would you do for another brother in arms and you would show that grace and compassion it is the thing that we need to constantly do with ourselves how would you treat another brother in arms addicts and individuals if we can't always look at ourselves and give ourselves the grace picture ourselves as someone else so i will be that sister. So today I'm Ray and I'm going to give Ray a lot of grace and a lot of love. If you can't picture your 
yourself as the person deserving of the grace and love. Picture somebody in your community that you have connection with and grace them onto you with reflection. I understand exactly what she says because in that moment of trying to throat punch Armin and Drifter saying those words, also what he said to me after he said that, he was like, and I'm sorry. Sorry, babe. Sorry you're having to go through this. That is probably go, goes back to the first question you asked me is how have I been able to cope with this for the past two years? And a lot of it was me thinking, thank God it's not reversed. Thank God I got sober first. I would hate to be the one that had to be dragged over our I got to do it at my time. I got to be ready. And yeah, it's just having that perspective really does. What a reflection. What a reflection. Yeah. It's amazing. Yes. It's like you just flip the switch on it. Power, babe. Power. Oh my God. You inspire the fuck out of me, right? And you will never understand how you inspire the fuck out of me, but you do. And I am not the only one. There are so many people that are just like she a queen that means so much to me but then see and then that adds to my anger too because i'm like he doesn't even fucking know <laughs> like oh my god i'm a walking miracle damn it and i'm not taking me for granted <laughs> but it's hard you know it's so hard to find that like middle ground and you have to feel all the feelings and like that mindfulness is really good to just give yourself space to like how do I feel how do I really really feel and how do I want to act and how do I want to hold myself because as much as I hate myself now I would hate myself more if I cut off all the buttons <laughs> that would be very childish I would not appreciate myself for retaliating because that doesn't line up with who I'm trying to define myself as who I'm trying to become Thing, and also going back to what you said, which was really important, very important, because Drifter has told me that same thing. And Armin told me that same thing. You're you're just lucky you don't have an audience. For four years of, you know, yeah, of trying to get sober and Armin not, you know, not knowing what alcoholism looked like. And he's just thinking, he, you know, he has his own background of what his parents came from, right? So he thinks that that's normal behavior. So we, he, we come into this relationship and I'm imitating the relationship of his parents without knowing that I got sober. And then I'm like, then I put myself, that's, that's the, the basis of this that where it's, it's try to put yourself in the other person's position because then I think to myself if he did get sober before I did if he did seek out self help and all of a sudden he's like you gotta get sober the only thing I, I will say I do in it forefront of my mind like this was the first three months my sober coach told me does your husband drink and I said no he doesn't can you please ask him not to drink around you or have the alcohol in the home? 
And I said, yeah, he's 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 an army. He's a muggles. Right. (laughs) And so. So I did. And then I remember this one time that something happened. I can't even remember, but I remember what happened was I was at about two to three months sober or yeah, two to three months sober. And Armin saw this look in my face that I wanted to drink so bad. And he looked at me and he said, I will drop you off at rehab. I'll just drop you off at rehab and you can call your mom and kids and you can tell them to pick you up. But I'm dropping you off. And I'm thinking that is the biggest act of love he could have done because I was scared that I knew that he would do it. And and I think to myself, again, we go back to the reverse roles. So I'm like, okay, all right. We're in it. We're in it. And it took him time, but we're in it. But the 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 anger it still comes up. It's still I'm not a monk. It, you know, it's still I know, think he tells me that even with Viv, even with someone that studies this, and you still get pissed. Imagine people that don't study this, and still that's why I'm like, right? You're still holding your shit together (laughs) you got it together girl you do you don't we don't see our own reflections of what who we are because there's this whole other aspects of what of what will you know another series that i want to do i want to do a series on imposter syndrome and that has a big role to play because when we're sober for so long there comes sometimes, what if I do relapse? What if this happens? What if, what if, and then, but that's the imposter syndrome that comes into play. Yeah, heading two years, I was like, I do not feel like I'm a two-year sober person. I feel like I'm a two-day sober person. I have no fucking clue what's going on, and I need a lot of help. I, yeah, it's, and that made me want to, well, let's make it match, right? Let's make my days match how I feel inside. Which is, I was like, or oh, you could just feel like that and still have your days. It's okay to just have that feeling and feel, it's okay for it to be like a washing machine and just for it to go through the cycles. It's okay to even apologize for being angry. Because I'm angry and I'm, you know, like, you, you know, that type of thing. And then be angry. And then you can, for myself, I've had those moments where anger. And then all of a sudden I'll say, it, you know, the time will go by and I'll reflect. And then I'll say, you know what? I, I'm sorry that I behave that way, but I'm still angry. I was having this conversation also with someone else. And I'm still angry. Like the point is still valid. It's just the way that I handled it was not correct. So I apologize for that behavior of mine. But the point of me being angry was valid. A great way that I phrase it to myself when I'm in those moments where I want to react or when I'm in a in a place where somebody like, let's hash this out right now. Mm-hmm. I will tell myself or I'll tell that person, like, this relationship is important to me and I don't want to do anything drastic. I don't want to react right now. I want to 
give myself some space to make sure that I don't hurt people that I care about. Beautiful. And that's that power move again. I need to take a minute so I can love you and respect you enough to have this conversation. But I need a moment because that rushing in and reacting and fixing or finding more fuel for the fire, that is not healthy. There is such a huge amount of self-respect to go, I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. Like, not that, oh, I'm fucking love. Like, give me a minute. Give me a minute so I can love you and we can talk about this. Or else I'll be reacting from my 14-year-old angry girl self. Like, and there is no comprehension in that. If you need sure. a minute, take it. If you need a minute, take it. And if you need 10 minutes, take fucking 10 minutes. Because we, we are more than allowed. Like, I think with sobriety, sobriety, the, the, the biggest learning curve is time. And how powerful time is for learning, relearning, going through cycles, changing cycles and whatnot. But time, it is, time is precious. And I didn't understand that when I was a drunken fuck on the couch. I was giving my time away. And you've said as well, Verb, like, we've got all the time because we're not blackout anymore. It's such an incredible reshift. Time is magic. I just, I never appreciated it before. We've gained time. We've gained time. The last one. I believe this is the last one. And there are a couple more, sorry. <laughs> passive aggressive anger. Strain on relationships. Passive aggressive anger can severely strain relationships. It's correct, characterized by the avoidance of confrontation and express, expressed through sarcasm and deceitful acts. It can also be characterized by procrastination or mocking. It can be hurtful. Others do perceive you as aggressive behavior, even though you think you are sneaky. To avoid passive-aggressive anger, learn assertive communication techniques. Try to articulate your frustration with others so that problems can be solved, other known as boundaries. That was me. That was totally me. No boundaries, you know. Now, wouldn't lay it out straight. Be pissed off. Be passive aggressive, sarcastic as fuck. All of that. All of that. And with everyone. And then comes in boundaries and I learn boundaries and I'm like, oh, wow. You mean I can tell someone when I'm not pissed off and I've written it down and what my thoughts are and what my the consequences will be? And am I ready to do the consequences? Because if I don't, then I'm going to be be back. But then it's all in delivery too. I've delivered some of the best boundaries in love. I love you so much that I need for you to stop this behavior. Because if you don't, we're not going to have peace. And if I don't have peace, I'm not going to be here. It's funny you talk about peace. Like that is the goal is so the goal i'm slowly shifting that nervous system which is instant of of, like 
I've done it for 25 fucking years in active addiction. Of course it's going to happen. So something happens. But I have the time to go, what, what, what do I want? Do I want to fight? Do I want to win this? Is, what do I win if I win this? I want peace, bro. Peace is it. And you can still have peace while being angry, but being able to deliver your words properly in such a way. I am raging as fuck right now, but I am peaceful with my rage. But to be able to communicate, like communication boundaries, it's foreign language when I'm in active addiction. Now it's like, yeah, I'm going to communicate and set some boundaries. And even if my voice shakes or Mm-hmm. I fumble up and stumble on my words. I'm still speaking more truth than shoving it down or using it as ammo. Absolutely. And I think that that's why when we're not ready, and I, I will talk to the clients about this, when they don't like something and they want to put a boundary down, but they're not willing to put the, I want the behavior to stop. Yeah. But I don't, I, I can't do that right now. Like I can't put that boundary up right now. And so it, the display is because you don't want to be this passive aggressive asshole, which is the anger. And you've never learned how to, you know, be other than the passive aggressive, because like you said, I learned it from my mom. My mom passed it down to me. Who knows how, you know, and all these things happen. But when I'm able to deliver it or I'm not, the, the way that it goes is, or the analogy that is used is use it like the, the Wizard of Oz, the yellow brick road. So the way that you're able to overcome it is think about you're paving a yellow brick road and you're do, putting one little brick. What is the one little brick? And that is the little brick, whatever it is. And it's critical thinking that you're allowing the person that you're dealing with that they can say, okay, that, that's the little brick and then another little brick. So for myself, when Arma was in deep, our active addiction and I was in sobriety, I couldn't say, I'm going to leave him. I couldn't. There was just no way. There was too much. I was too, we, we were too intertwined. Even though there was no children, there were years of marriage codependent relationship because in addiction there's a very codependent relationship and by little brick little brick I learned how to start maneuvering so we do so we don't go from like again zero to zen it's the little bricks that are formed what is manageable what is maintainable what is attainable and that's how we regain. And before we know it, now we have this whole road that we paved. And we're like, damn, I'm in this. This road is so, I'm in it. But it takes time. It takes time. So there's the retaliatory anger, which is the most common form of angers. It's, I'll get back at you. Get back at someone who has done you wrong. We can often rationalize the type of anger, but still, it still often hurts others and 
escalate situations instead of instead of retaliating. Try to learn forgiveness. I've never felt good about retaliating. Like the times that I have done it, afterward, I just feel worse. I don't feel good. I feel like, I feel like in some ways I've given that person justification to then treat me in that way because I've gone into that level of, well, I don't have any respect for you. So how can I expect respect back? It's it's they claim it as retaliatory anger is other known as an eye for an eye. And it says, and this is an exercise that is used. Does your respectful response to them might change their attitude completely? So I, know that I do that retaliation tit for tat, eye for an eye sort of thing. I always feel like a five-year-old. Like that's that sort of shit. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a grown-up adult woman, but I'm doing this behavior. I'm a toddler. Like it's so juvenile and immature for me. That that yucky feeling afterwards is, oh. and then it's also the you've lowered your frequency, babe, to meet them on that level. That's what I don't feel about good as well. Is that. I've dropped my energy to turn into a three-year-old, to fight a three-year-old. It's time. I could just have some time and not react, not react. You see, you say one to Zen. My, mm. I would go one to 10. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, I want that one to Zen and even one to six. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was that. And how can you treat that? with respect and courtesy and compassion when it sounds like that that's essentially what i was doing throwing my fucking toys getting back justice all these types of anger huh there's another one self-abusive anger this is also a dangerous one in sobriety and it can cause a relapse this is one of the most dangerous types of anger for those in sobriety. It results from feelings of helplessness, unworthiness, shame, or shamed. It then manifests into negative self-talk, self-harm, substance abuse, eating disorders. For this type of anger, meditation, talk therapy, and talk therapy can be the most useful. If you are having feelings of self-abusive anger, always reach out for help. This type of anger can be extremely destructive and can easily lead to a relapse. I can totally understand that. Totally understand that. I have a, on IAS, I think I shared a picture of when I moved into the house and out of my old house with our and our their apartment. And I told my mom, leave, we're just, we donated her furniture to my, to my daughter, my younger daughter, and my furniture with Armin stayed in the apartment. So when I came to the house, all we had was my mom's bed, which was a twin, not a twin, it was a queen. And then I had no bed and I took a picture of it 
all in like maybe five boxes and and i posted on my as i feel like i'm a 21 year old single mother with two girls it took me back to that place and i said but i realize that i am not 21 years old and i realize that i am not that young girl i realize that i am a sober woman and that i have made my own decision and that these are i it, i made this it, i i just wrote it all up and it was i made this decision to leave and to let everything go because everything is replaceable but i am not and i kept repeating that to myself and it was almost like a mantra that i had everything's replaceable but i'm not and i think that that's one of the the biggest things which i the self abuse of anger the negative self talk the self harm and that's why we come into these these safe places and we have these podcasts so women can understand that that self abuse of anger can come from even from outside voices how you know of leading and doing and all of this but at the end of in the root cause is we're sober and out of the sobriety we're we're able to make better decisions than we did when we than when we were drinking self self I think that's the worst. I think it's worse than behavioral or passive aggressive or any of that because it's me. I'm fighting and fueling my hate, my incompetencies, my lack, my lack. The worthiness. The way that we talk to ourselves matters the most. And And, And not until you get into perhaps spaces like this do you hear other people doing and you're like no no I don't like that makes me feel yucky right when people start I'm a fucking dickhead I'm a fucking like all of that shit it makes me feel gross and then I go oh hello lovely reflection I do it myself I do it myself so self anger self abuse of anger and I think that for me I have to say that it is the mantra for me. This was my own is everything else is replaceable, but I am not. And the second one was, if I don't know who I am, I'm going to get someone or look at someone that I admire and emulate that. So in this journey, there were people that I admired for being sober. I admired for keeping their sobriety. I admired my sober coach. I admired like, so you, I mean, you gain strength from the people around you. And yes, yes, yes. And then, and then, because we are reflections of each other, because I am you, I love me. If I emulate and try and, I, you know, I find role mo- positive, healthy role models, start emulating them a little. That's all. Fuck on that. I am that. But you need connection. You need connection so you have reflective spaces of it coming back to you. Yeah. And I also think in this self-abusive anger, I will say that we also have to be careful 
because who we hang around with, what is their negative self-talk? And I, I, I love my women. I advocate for each and every woman and I, I you know, I love them, but I cannot com- commiserate with them. It's very hard for me when I, I hear, you know, the negative self-talk coming from them. I tried to be the uplifter because I I got sober in upliftment and I thought, yeah, and I thought to myself, that's who I want to be. I don't know who I am. That's who I want to be. And it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be, you know, angry and it's okay to have those moments. But it's also okay to, to cuddle up and say, I need that. I need some love right now. I'm super uncomfortable <laughs> because I feel like this is like really hitting home for me. Like, I just have been so frustrated with myself and I feel like I've been feeling really scared and weak and. I was not handling it well. I don't think that any one person is just one thing. I think that I am scared right now and it has taken me a while to get to where I am and I still have a long way to go. But I'm also brave and I'm also strong and I just am going through a difficult time right now. And that's okay. And that's okay. But I can be so mean to myself. And then I was even telling people, I'm like, I remember telling all my friends, I'm being so mean to myself right now. And just reaching out, trying to talk to other people because talking to myself is not always ideal. Being in my own head too much can be dangerous. It started from a young age that berating myself and that voice telling me that I need to do better for a while worked because it made me try to be better. You know, it made me when I told myself you're a piece of shit because you're an alcoholic and you have a kid and you need to get it together. I got it together. That part of that helped me. But you, it's just it has to be. There has to be a balance. There has to be the full picture. It cannot just be a deluded version. I'm scared because I've been through a lot. And it's fucking scary. The world is fucking scary. But I'm also brave because I fucking choose this hard ass shit every day. 1000%. I love that you said that it helped you, right? That, it, that it, it was a motivator of sorts to sort your shit out. Like, when I started using, it did help me, you know, until it killed me, until it tried to kill me. I guess that balance, though, Ray, right? I like sitting in your head too often is good for reflection, but then you start the ruminating, which is really hard to get out of. That's why reaching out and having what talk therapy. Is that what we're doing now? Is this talk therapy? We're just talking. We're doing talking therapy right now, but reaching out and sharing that internal dialogue, it puts light on the shame or whatever you're feeling. And when you get it out of your mouth, you're like, oh, that sounded dumb. Like I'm hating on myself. And then I speak the words out loud. I'm like, oh, no. 
Definitely. And and we all in our different ways go through this. I mean it's the self-abusive anger. Absolutely. It's vulnerability moment. And I think I even posted it that I read my letter out loud and I recorded myself writing my letter to alcohol and I put it out in social media and I was like with the tissues with for my issues but I thought to myself you've done much worse to yourself when you drink so you've never been this this is why you're scared you've never been this sober you've never done this sober I love that, Viv. Yeah. You've never been this sober. With this amount of work, with this amount of connection, with this amount of clarity, with this amount of self-reflection. Like, fuck yeah. And starting a new career. 20 years mortgage. Like a 20-year marriage. With the bottle. And I gave up both of, both of them. What's over there? I don't know. But I do know where what the bottle and that work was unfulfilling so I choose the surprise door it doesn't have to be a rush nobody's rushing me out the door there's no rush time is on my side and I cry I get to cry because there's no other emotion to express it we were laughing Narvin and I about the meme of the guy I can't remember what the name of the actor is but he's in the shower and he's crying that is, you know, that's me. Those are moments of, of vulnerability and of not knowing that. But then I got to, you know, I go back to my own sober coach, to my business coach. I've never, you know, she's still, because I tell myself, how can I believe in people having what I do if I don't have one? That, that's my train of thought. And so I go to her and I see how successful she is. And I'm like, this isn't a one-off. So if it's possible for her, possible for me. Like sobriety. Whatever like you see, sobriety. whatever you see in someone else, that's the, the, those are the things. You can choose to look at it in lack or you can choose and scarcity, or you can choose to look at it as possibility. I'd rather possibility. So we'll go to the next one. Assertive anger. Assertive anger is the most constructive type of anger. It can be used as a way to cope with other types of anger. You use feelings of frustration or rage as a catalyst to po of positive change rather than avoiding confrontation, internalizing anger, or resorting to verbal insult and physical outbursts. You express your anger in ways that can create change in the world around you. This is the best way to channel your feelings of anger without hurting yourself and others. Give me an example. Best is boundaries. So it says assertive anger is the most constructive. So rather than confronting and internalizing, remember the baby. Are we going to stick the baby in the trunk? and let it suffocate or are we going to put the baby behind the wheel and crash into the car we're going to strap the baby in the car seat let it be in the car and allow it to be on the trip 
until we get it sorted out, until it moves, until it grows. And that in so one of the examples would be is because it says rather than confrontation or avoiding confrontation, internalizing anger, anger, resorting to verbal insult and physical outbursts. Because that's what we do is is we hold it in. And then once we're really pissed, that's when we let it out. And it's like a vomit. But this is best when there's that word. What is that word? Revenge is best served cold. You know? So you've heard of that, right? But the truth is, it's basically don't react. I've heard that for my whole life. (laughs) But it didn't click. Revenge just be served cold because you give that shit time to crawl off before. Whoa. Thank you, Vince. I'm a. Because the other would be read hot rage, right? Read hot rage. Fuck. Okay, cool. And I've seen both of your faces are like. Are you okay, Ray? Yeah. I was <laughs> just thinking about the cold pizza I have because it's dinner time and I'm hungry and overworks me. Okay. Okay. One last thing. In anger management, the best ways to hang handle anger is to ask yourself what would be the best way to respond to this situation and not in the heat of the moment. Number two, name two things that are stopping you from reaching your goal. Because you're angry because of something, right? And the questions to ask yourself, is anger coming covering up fear? Is it covering up shame? Is it covering up guilt? Because all of these three are all learned responses. So anger's covering up all those things. And then we come into this podcast and learn that there's seven different types of anger. So many numbers. Far out. Time. Just time. My hope is with this podcast that we are able to reach thousands of women or millions of women all over this beautiful world that don't have what we have, people to talk to, community, connection, authenticity, love, and that they're drinking at the situation in which they're in. And maybe they, they're not drinking but they're just stuck. This is my hope is that it reaches and resonates the women that are supposed to listen to this, resonate with your story, Ray, resonate with your story, Tamara, with my story, with what we've talked about here. Very in-depth, but it's necessary. I like the, the thousands and millions but if it's, one, if it's one person, if it is one person that goes, fuck, okay. I, I just want to add one thing. Like, I, I would say that anger is not the absence of love. Because what was really hard for me to wrap my head around was that I could be angry at someone and still love them. I used to think that, like, if I loved them, then I should just let my resentments go. And the relationship was more important than whatever thing I was angry at. You get to be angry. You get to have your boundaries. You get to have your safety. And people who love you will will want that for you as well. The people who are meant to be in your life will want that for you. Bravo. That's a very strong 
very, very, very strong statement. Two things can exist at the same time. Mara, would you like, would you say any last words as we close this podcast for anyone that is on their day zero or that needs to hear this voice? What is the one thing that you would love or like for them to take in from this podcast? If you need to take a moment, take a moment. It, it really is powerful to not react in, in the split second and just take a step back for yourself, for your sanity, for your clarity of mind. It's okay to take a moment. And if you need more than a moment, it's okay to do that too. Also, one thing I learned was no door is ever locked. If you don't want to be there, you can go. You absolutely can go. There is a different world when you put the bottle down. There is a different world when you start learning self-love and compassion. As foreign as that sounds, it is possible. Connection beats addiction. Absolutely. And asking for help is fucking brave. It is brave. Beautiful. 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 Addiction thrives in isolation. So, talked about seven types of anger. We talked about which ones were the most dangerous ones. And we've identified what works and what could work. So, in closing... I wanted to thank you, ladies, for your time, your energy, and your love. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Mara. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And also thank Armin because you said throw punch Armin a lot in this, and he's going to go over it and edit us and make us all nice. And, you know, thanks, Armin, for coming. Yes, for Oh, good. This is re- real people, real talk. That's what I like about it, right? I like that it is, ah, oh, fuck it. Like it's not, hello, and anyway, following the script off. Like, it's genuine, it's human. Oh, yeah, I never prepare for any of these. Because I knew. Every way to be authentic is, I knew know. if I told you guys, you would overthink it too much. Mm-hmm. I love you guys. That was awesome. Love you, Bev. Thanks for having me on. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, tell a friend or someone you know, pass this podcast on. And my information is Viv, founder of SoberIThrive.org. I'm an internationally certified in addiction recovery, other known as a sober coach and a life coach too. My certifications encompass the neuroscience of joyful recovery, roots of addictions, alcohol and its effects, dynamics of professional recovery coaching, motivation to change, right thinking in recovery, family issues in recovery, codependent behaviors in addiction, and ethical and legal issues in professional recovery coaching. Go to my website, SoberIThrive.com. O-R-G, and book your free confidential 30-minute call. We can help create the sober warrior within you.